it's Pete Price. I've discovered a new friend in lockdown and I'm delighted to say we've become mates. I saw this phenomena happening uh, on uh, Instagram and didn't know who this man was. Eventually got to know him. It was unbelievable the way he exploded and helped people through lockdown. Uh, then from that, went to the Olympia in Liverpool and filled the stadium. And I was very privileged to be asked to go as part of it um, uh, in a little quiz thing that he did on stage. He is an actor in his own right. He's a barber in his own right. He's a father in his own right. He's going on a journey uh, shortly, which is going to be really interesting. I'm talking to John May. Hello, Pete. How are you, mate? I'm all right. Yeah, First of all, congratulations on the weight you've lost. Now, tell us your story about the weight, because you showed me some photographs, and I was flabbergasted. The weight I've lost recently? or Recently, the but let's go back to the first time. Yeah, so as I'm getting prepared for this walk at the moment, so I have lost a few pounds. I've lost about 17 pounds, and that took me on to tell you about today, my transformation. Yeah, I'd done a transformation a few years ago. I, I was, I'm only five foot seven, and I went to about 17 stone. And it was like, I need, to, I need to do something here. I see myself on a Beth Fred commercial that I was on. I thought, this is disgusting. This is, this is no good. This is no way to live your life. So I decided to do something about it. And I joined a gym in Waterloo called Tier Pro. And, over, and I said to him, I want to do a, a men's physique competition. And he looked me up and down. He was like, you know, it's going to be hard work, you know. But um, anyway, we've we done it. And uh, after eight months, I lost five stone. I had abs for days, and I got up on stage. I, I, I wanted to be up there. I wanted to um, to be worthy to be up there, you know, not look out of place. So I got up there, and then the UK BFF gave me, like, a special award, saying, look, we've, we've never seen a transformation. Like, so, yeah, that was then. And, uh, well, that was about three years ago now, something like that, maybe a little bit longer. But uh, I ended up putting it quite a bit back on, and I lost it again and put it back on again. But doing this... This challenge I'm about to do is a good incentive to get it back off again. Great, great story because many, many people out there are fighting the weight. I've fought my weight all my life. People don't realise these skinny bags of bones are the luckiest people on earth. They have no idea what they go through. We'll talk about your challenge in a minute. Tell me, who are you? Give us a background of who you are before we go into the acting and the comedy. Who am I? Okay. Um, well, I'm one of five kids. I've got a twin sister, Emma. I'm the youngest of five. I've got three older brothers, my twin sister, then me. Um, yeah, we just come from, like, we're from County Road in Walton. Just, you know, just a typical family, if you like. But I don't know, I've always felt a little bit different, me, P. I'm not going to lie. Like, even in school and stuff. And as an adult now, I'm 41 now, and I have come to the conclusion, I've been diagnosed yet, but I'm pretty convinced I've got ADHD. So it's like, with that, has come a lot of challenges through life. And you always thought you were naughty and you were scorned for your behaviour. You always thought you were, you're always getting told you were lazy. And like, I don't know, I've, I've always... Your way of thinking was never... Was never the right way. Because it never fit in with the system or people's ideas. And it's because I had my own ideas. Are you a close family? Um. Our mum, mum and dad died a few years ago. We're fairly close. We're not super tight-knit. 
because everyone's got their own families, they have their own kids and stuff now, so, you know. But when our mum and dad died, mum died when she was 57, I was 25, and then my dad died when I was 30, he was 65. So I think what once, once they went, it sort of, we all sort of went our own way. But we, we are in touch, and we do, we do still do things together. So, before show business, what was it? Did you always want to be a barber, or was that come later on in life no it's like so me growing up i grew up in a pub my mum and dad owned a pub and um it was just full of builders and all my family were builders my dad was a bricky my brother was a quantity surveyor the other one was a joiner my uncle was a builder so my path was sort of set out i was to become a builder so i had loads of good opportunities that's why i mentioned the pub because i'd get apprenticeships here there and everywhere and i failed at them all and i felt like a bit of a joke i felt like a bit of a loser I thought, I'm not cut out for this. So I started, it was quite different. I, I thought, I'm going to become a barber. And I got laughed at for that. And you, what do you mean a barber for? People thought it was, you know, people presumed it was gay as well because of, because I wanted to be a barber. Because it went, <laughs> they did. Not a hairdresser, people a barber. Think people Not think, a hairdresser, a barber. Still, yeah, it was, you know, it was too. <laughs> so, yeah, people think I'm gay now. It's funny. Um... <laughs> Oh, I don't know any gay barbers, only hairdressers. <laughs> Sorry about that, hairdressers. Do I know any gay barbers? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I think this is another discussion. <laughs> so, uh, did you do an apprenticeship for a barber? Yeah, I am. So you yeah. didn't just go in and start cutting hair? No, did I? Heck no. No, but you know what, P had, um, I thought, right, he's going to become a barber. And then I got this job through the job centre in this place in uh, Garston. And I was only there two days as a trainee. I wasn't made to feel very welcome. Um, so I thought, sod this. So I go home to my mum and dad and go, oh, I, you know, I've left that job. And they're like, bloody hell, here we go again. So I thought, right, I'm going to prove these wrong. But we lived on Breck Rose at the time in Liverpool. And I thought, right, I'm going to walk from Breck Rose to County Road and I'm going to go to every barber shop and I'm going to ask them, I'm going to ask everyone if I can have an apprenticeship, right? But Barbara had died out. Barbara had gone, there was no, they were old backstreet shops, there was no, it's not like it is now, you're talking 20 years ago, it, it, this trade had gone, and uh, first barbers I walked into on Breck Road, Jack's, Jack Gunyans on the corner of Belmont Road, and I walked in and went, alright mate, um, I want to learn to be a barber, will you take me on as an apprentice, and he just looked me up and down and went, yeah go ahead, start now if you want. What? And I was like, what? <laughs> what? Yes, it's first, first place. Oh, wow. And, um, I love that. So I stayed there and it was a... I went in there last week, to be honest. I went in last week and spoke to Ralph. And the shop has not changed at all. And I sat in my old chair. And uh, it was just like 20... It was 20 years ago. But yeah, I stayed there for a year. And I learned what I could. Mm. So we started me off just doing like little skinheads and stuff like that. And Listen, before we carry on about you... Let's ask you, as a barber, from where you are, what is this explosion with Turkish barbers everywhere? There are millions appearing on street corners in little villages. Where's, do you know? Well, I, I, do you know what it probably started? It's like, I remember going to Turkey when I was a kid. I remember, I remember going to a barbers and whatever, and I remember, they were different. They used to do all little fancy stuff like the uh, they burn your ears with the flames and they crack your knuckles. They give it a massage. They, 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 they added a bit of an extra flair. So when I was learning to be a barber, when I was twenty one. I went to Turkey again, and I was fascinated by the barbers then, because they were so different from the ones in the UK. So I think what's happened is, you know, you've got you've had a lot of kids, kids, people come over. 
and a lot of takes. It's mostly kids, to be honest. It's not takes, it's kids. Right. Um, and they've come over and they've, they, they, you know, they, they've, 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 they seem very successful. They are. Yeah. A lot of them are brilliant. And, and, and they work hard, they work long hours, they don't mess about with no, the hours. It, it, it's different from your traditional British barber. Yeah. Yeah, it most yeah. certainly is. But they do what they do yeah. and, you know. So we've got you. Family, um, trying to find the right job, found the barbers, that was great. When did acting start? So, after I stopped... Um, after I worked in Jack's the Barbers, I moved to another one on London Road, Ben Ben A. And then eventually I thought, right, I'm gonna open my own shop. So I opened my own barbers, sweeps, and I've never been so passionate, disciplined, and structured. Everything was I was super passionate. And it was just because I, I loved it. I loved it. And um so I got a couple of years into opening my shop and it was a success. And it was this customer that used to come in. And um it's quite funny because he pretends he doesn't know me now when he walks past me in the street. <laughs> he genuinely does. He does, you know. That's telling you, isn't it? You might know. Anyway, he, uh, he goes... Uh, we'll wait one for that one off air. Go on. <laughs> you like, John, I'm, I'm going to acting classes. Come with me. I'm like... I was just focused on my shop, Pete. Mm. I just... And he was like, oh, come with me. And I went, nah. You know, I always thought I could be an actor because, you know, it, at the time, I was thinking, oh, I can do accents and stuff like that. And there's, there's a lot more to it than that. And... Um, Anyway, he comes in one day and he goes, I've signed you up to this class, Manchester School of Acting, which you know, Mark Hudson. Tremendous. One of the biggest in this country. Yeah. And genuine, <coughs> not about the money, genuine. Uh, and in fact, while we're talking about Mark, so you know what we're talking about as big. In soaps, Emmerdale, Corrie, all those, if there's a problem with an acting style, they will bring him in. Yeah. He is that big. Yeah, so yeah. you went to the best. Yeah, well, I went to... I got an audition to join this school and uh, I'd never done nothing like this before. So I was like, oh, my God, I've got, I've got, I've got lines to learn. I've got, I've got, you know, got, got to go to an audition. So I was very nervous. So I went and, again, I'm walking into this audition with these strange people, you know, the type of people I've never mixed with before, really. And, like, I'm apologising before I've even started. Oh, I've never done this before. Anyway, I got in the school. And you know what, Pete? There's, there's something about acting and what acting's taught me. I become... Them classes become the highlight of my week. They become the highlight of my week. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So what... I, I've got my own little acting's class now. But what people say to me when they come to class... I go, why do you want to do acting? Do you want to pursue it as a career? Do you want to do it for confidence? Do you want to do... And they go, oh, it's just... I just like to just pretend to be someone else for a while. And I go, but that's not actually what you're doing. So when I went to Mark's class, that was an opportunity for me to be me. That was an opportunity for me to drop all the facade, drop the mask, and it was an opportunity to be vulnerable and be me, and it was a breath of fresh air. And I didn't realise that at the time. But the, and I can, that's why people become addicted to these. Not addicted, but it's a release. And it's a highlight, but I loved it. And I taught, acting has taught me so much. It's taught me to be transparent and it's taught me to know who I am. Give us a flavour of some of the things you've done as an actor. Um, well, I've done hell of a lot of commercials. Commercials are hard to get. Like a friend of mine's a casting director and he said, about 700 people get put forward to each part on a commercial. And I remember 
I don't know, I got four in a row once, and that's like, you know, finished first out of 700 four times on the bounce. But I've done like, I've done 32 commercials now. I've literally traveled the world. Um, I've done films in Istanbul. I've filmed in the Andes, um, Argentina, uh, Table Mountain in South Africa. I've, I've done lots, loads of soaps, comedies, films. So you've done all that through acting. Yeah. Was the barbershop still going? The barbershop was still going, yeah. But I was also, you know, I, was, I, had, I had this passion with this barbershop, but then I also had to find a way to get to London three times a week for auditions and keep the shop. So that was a real juggling balance, you know. Now, I'm really glad you said that. So anyone listening to this, what John has just said is something that I am passionate about. I've got three mates who are actors, two other people who are in business, but they also have got to make a living because you can't totally rely unless you're one of the famous world actors. You can't rely. So you had a business... You've got a life, you're enjoying it, and my friends have done the same. They've got a business because they want nice things in life. Yeah. And if they crack it, the business will go to one side. So you had the business in place, mm. you went around the world with the acting, but the business was still giving you a living. Yeah. That is so important, until you become a star star. I say that to everyone, Pete. It's like, you'll get, yeah. you'll get someone who'll go up to university and they'll do a degree in performing arts and stuff, but they won't. And then what they do is, I'm going to criticise them now, because what they do is, they won't do anything else other than acting. But acting, the jobs are far and very few between. So in reality, you need to have, whether you're a taxi driver or get a job that gives you that freedom to be able to go to an audition. Bill Dean played Harry Cross in Brookside. Yeah. He did a film with Elizabeth Taylor, and the next week he went back on the door looking for a job. That's the nature of the industry. And I use that as an example every time. So I'm so glad. Now, we've got so much to talk about. I'm talking to John May. We've got to now move because there's so much to get into. Where did this character and these set of characters and the uh, the pandemic all happen? How did it go about? Well, again, it's still keeping to the timeline. So it's like, Pete, I've been to so many auditions, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Like before I started acting, I'd only ever been to London about three or four times. I must have been to London about 500 times now, you know, just over over these few years. And um, it's just graft, graft, graft. I always had this attitude, eventually, John, just keep going, you will get your break. Just keep going. And I've watched all my peers drop. They've dropped off. They, they just haven't had that. I'll never give up. And this is one thing in my life I'll never give up on. And it, it's not sheer determination. It's just the way it is. And it's like, but then I got to a point where it was like, I'm, I'm 40 now. Oh, well, I'm 38, 40 now. It's like, I mightn't get it. I mightn't cross that road. I mightn't find that gap. So friends of mine's a casting director. And I, I, I never like to speak to him about acting and stuff because he must get so many people. Yeah, yeah. So I'd like to keep that separate, but I said, look, can I have some advice? And he was like, go on, what is it? And I went, look, I said, what do I need to do here? Because I, I mightn't get this break. And he went, you need to make your own stuff. I was like, okay. He said, look at all the top names, John. They all produce their own stuff, and this is how they've started, and this is what they do now. Whether it's Tom Cruise or whether it's there, they create their own stuff. So if you, look, if you take that, so right, I thought, right. So I wrote a short film called Just, about the... Have I ever showed you that? Yeah. yeah. It's about the Catholic Church and the guilt and limbo and 
blah 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 and it's about this father who loses his child and he goes into the church anyway i wrote that and i was going to go to the bfi and get funding and the idea was write that smash that win awards get funding for a film showcase myself that way boom simple boom anyway we were sort of doing that it was an idea to get myself out there and then lockdown come so it all went out the window like we made this short film that the one i showed you was just we were sending that as part of our application it was never meant to be shot well yeah, yeah. or whatever yeah, yeah. it's not great but um so here i am in lockdown with nothing to do and I was training for a men's physique competition at this time as well. So my me, me competition, my me, me focus at that time had gone. I was like, what am I meant to do? So I've always been a bit silly on um, social media. Um, I've always liked to make people laugh. Mm. I, you know, um, that's probably some deep reason why. But I'll explore that one day. And then um, I've done this video with these two women. And they were in a supermarket because lockdown reminded me of Christmas because we had so many days until we were going into a lockdown so it was like people were just scavenging getting stuff it was like Christmas Eve so I'd done this this joke of these two women in a supermarket like you're all done for lockdown eh? and I said I wonder we've got to get a few bits you know and it's like was this just this came to you yeah just, just came, came yeah just, just a little joke and I just done it and I done it where I played these two women but at the same time I've got a captive audience now Peter everyone's stuck in the house so I done this little video and it went, you know, it went dead well. I was like, oh no way, it got a little bit viral. It went that viral, just locally it went. So I done another one, and it, it went again. I thought, ah, oh, give me something to do this. And then um, I went to my barber shop during lockdown. It was very early; it was only a few days in. And uh, me and my friend were going to do a sketch years ago. And I bought wigs for it, and I found this wig. And I thought, right, I'm going to give one of these girlfriends a fella now. So I found this Ketwig, and then I done this video of this guy talking about lockdown, like he's a conspiracy theorist. You know, it was just um, satire is the term, isn't it? Is that the term? It is, isn't it? Um, and that just went poof. I like I was walking through the Asda, and it was like I just seen a gang of these people watching it on the phone, all laughing. Wow. It just, that must have made you feel a million dollars. It was like wow to this... walk through Asda, and they're watching me on their phone. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Now, I've got shivery. Yeah. That's... Wow, that freaks me out. Yeah. Man. But then a couple of days later as well, it's like I was I was in a petrol station, a fellow went, you, are you John May? I was like, yeah. I was like, oh, mate, can you shoot your hand? thought, no way, this is mad. But then I built on it, and then I brought another character in Derek, and then it turned into... It started having to having a bit of a narrative. So eventually, the girl, this, he starts having an affair with his girls, with his, with his partner's mates, and then... She's like she get he gets kidnapped and we don't know who it is. And we, I got Dean Sullivan involved, Leanne Campbell off the radio. They were filming at home and then I'd edited in. Um and then this Kenny Corona goes missing and like people are sticking posters up in the window and all that. Fine, Kenny Corona. And anyway, we we um there's a big reveal and he gets rescued and I thought, right, I'll put it to bed now. You know, I put it to bed. Lockdown was nearly over and it was good fun and everyone says it was like John May and Tiger King got me through lockdown because, like, people were waiting for it. So people were asking... I left here, I thought, go on a high, sounds. Because I know things come, PD come and you go, and we have highs and we have lows, we have hype. So I thought, put it to bed. So then I started another one. I thought, right, OK. But I stepped it up because I won an international uh, short film award during lockdown as well um, for, for this sketch I did. 
so with the money, I thought I was going to buy myself a camera. So I won money and I bought myself a camera. So we stepped it up. And then I'd done a scene with Derek and Craig. And he's over the water. And then I introduced another character called Turkey Teeth. And um, he's just like your typical scouser with the fake teeth. Blah, blah, blah. Loves the girls and all that. And when I'd done him, it just went... <laughs> it flew even more. Which is your favourite character? And which is the public's favourite character? Everyone loves Turkey Teeth. Personally... I can't bear him. <laughs> I can't. I mean, he's got this. I can't. I ain't doing him. <laughs> he's... <laughs> that's incredible. It's true, though. He's the only one that's external. Yeah. Every, all, all the other Derek's things. the gentle one. Though Craig is the one from over the water who's, who's a bit... A bit gentle. Is low that self-esteem. Yeah. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. Craig. Beg your bottom, Craig. He's my, fa- he's my favourite, Craig. Because he's easy to play. But all these ca- characters yeah. are a part of me. Yeah. Like Craig, I play Pokemon Go and, I, you know, I, I always had low self-esteem and um, blah, blah, blah. And, and Derek, he's a bit of me. He's basically me dad. Karen, they're, they're all part yeah, yeah. of me. Yeah, yeah but Tehi is he's yeah. not me. So you're building a building. You're getting recognised. You're getting people aren't shaking your hand. You're winning awards. You're doing this. It's going bigger and bigger and bigger. Where did the sh- well? No, I was going to say where did the show come from? Before the show, that's when we met because you invited oh, me yeah, yeah, yeah. to do a, a, an amazing film, which you gave the money to charity. Yeah, we ra- we raised. Um, I think we made. I think it was f- sure it was seventy thousand. It was a lot of money, and was it a Chris? Was it a couple of Christmases ago? Yeah, we so Mark Scano and. Um, Chris Brown they approached me and said, will you do a, a video with Turkey Teeth um, to help raise money for this Come Together Christmas? And it helps people in communities in Liverpool who are struggling at Christmas and whatever else. And I went, don't do Turkey Teeth because I secretly don't like them. So we said, let's do one on Kenny Corona. Because there are a couple, Kenny and Karen Corona. And we're like, oh, do, do Turkey? He went, nah, no, trust me. He said, what do you want to do then? I went, I don't know yet. Give me half an hour. So I phoned him up and went, right, here's what we're going to do. Let's do Kenny's Christmas Carol. And so we thought, let's do a Christmas Carol where ghosts visit him. So me and my friend Owen, we wrote a script in four hours. We wrote that whole thing in four hours, you know. And um, so we got different celebrities like yourself, Paul Smith, uh, Drew Schofield's brilliant, um, Tony Bellew. It was tremendous. It's still out there to see, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Kenny's yeah. Christmas Carol. It's on YouTube. Yeah. And Brilliant. it did phenomenal and raised a lot, a lot of money. Now, so a building, building, that's when we met and it was <coughs> incredibly flat to be asked. And when I got to the set and realised the beautiful set you built, so it wasn't El Cheapo. Yeah, it yeah, was, yeah. You worked your socks off on that and it was a huge success. Where did the idea and when and I'm go, I'm going goose pimply again. She's sitting there now talking to me and we're talking to John May uh, on my podcast. I'm Pete Price. Where did the idea of the Olympia come from? Okay, was it one day and you went, you can't? Yes, I can. No, well, this guy got in touch with me and said, would you be interested in doing like a live show, stand up? And I was like, oh god, no! I'm just doing videos at home. It's all right, you know. Because I'm an actor, I'm TV and film, never really done theatre or anything like that. So he messaged me and goes, I go, oh, mate, can I message you back next week? And I was putting him off and putting him off. And then I give him my number, I went, give us a bell next week. I didn't want to do it. And anyway, he's phoned me and I'm like, oh, God. Hey, mate, you okay? And then uh, we spoke on the phone for about an hour and he convinced me to do John May Life 
and I didn't know what John May Live was going to be. When you put the phone down after speaking to him, did you go, what have I just done? Exactly, <laughs> yeah, I did think, Because oh, I panicked for you, because we were getting to know each other, and I was worried for you, Yeah, yeah. but the tickets were flying. Well, we, we put a show, we put it out, and we, it was in Hangar 34 in Liverpool, and it was the end of lockdown, so it was only 200 a night. But we sold them four nights in under 60 seconds. Everyone thought the website had crashed. So you can imagine, I'm like, oh. yeah. like wow, what a, what a compliment that is, you know what I mean? So anyway, it was coming closer and closer. And I think we were like four weeks off and I still hadn't wrote nothing. Luckily for me, well, I'll tell you now. <laughs> Luckily for me, a third lockdown coming. Um, Which so- saved you. Yes, yeah, or oh, helped you, I should it's say. Helped me. Yeah. So we sat with my friends on. It's like, look, what are we gonna do? Because originally I was just gonna come on as John May, create a bit of an act, um, and do the characters, yeah. just the voices. I thought, nah, I don't want to do that. So I thought, how can I get five characters who are all played by me on stage at the same time? So we come up with this idea where, how do we get them on stage? Da, 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 da. So Turkey Teeth and his friend, a sidekick, Neil Seed, who's also played by me, want to put on a show, John May Life. Because this Turkey character, he's like, he's a bit of he's a bit of a wild boy, a bit of a Del boy. Um, so he goes, yeah, blah, blah, blah. So he's booked a nice John May Live, and this is all getting played on a big screen in the background, so we can see this narrative. But John May doesn't turn up. So next minute, we cut to all the characters in the car going to see John May Live, singing Bohemian Rhapsody, and all the heads are banging. So Turkey sees them outside, he's praying to God, and he uh, he goes, come in, I'll get you in the VIP, and then he says, you need to go on stage. Again, on the big screen, we all pre-recorded this beforehand. So each character then goes on individually, but there's a narrative, so it's all thingy. So we I wrote a two-hour, one-man show. It was untested, I think even you told me to test it. And no experience, really, Peter. And we went out and we absolutely smashed it, I, now, in my opinion. I've got to stop you there, because I've got to tell you this. This is the bit that got me. I've been a comic now for 50 years. I've worked with major world stars as comedy. And when you have a comic on, you build up, you have a singer, you have a gentle, you have a gender. <laughs> you didn't. You put a DJ on who got the place Rocking beyond yeah, yeah. and then went on, yeah. which is alien to yeah. anything I've ever seen. But it worked. Yeah. Oh my word, it worked. Because you said that, didn't you? Yeah. But after Hangar 34, I went on a little tour and then we'd done the Olympia, which I think was like 12 to 1500 a night, I think. And we sold that two nights in a row. We probably could have done a third. So when I first walked in, I was like, Oh God, like that. But um, as you said, like we had a DJ on, and every stand-up said to me, "John, you don't want a DJ on, you know." I couldn't believe it. I honestly, 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 hand on my heart, could not believe. No one, you have made history there because yeah. I've never seen that before. <laughs> Brilliant. No, but everyone's up. Everyone was dancing. Oh, and... yeah, but that's the problem. They're up dancing. Then yeah, you've yeah. got to get them quiet for the company. But they did. Yeah. I was there and I was flabbergasted. You broke the mould with that. You're right, Pete. Amazing. I remember you phoning me and telling me, say, look, what you've done there and you haven't seen. So, again, I'm proud of myself for that because I've got no experience. So, to get such a rowdy crowd and then just me walk out on stage and calm them. But you know what? If you'd have had the experience, you'd never have done it. Probably, yeah. You'd never have done it. Probably. Right. 
this could go on forever because we we'll do another one because I've got to then move on yeah. to what you're doing now. So everything's going the right <coughs> way. You've had your ups and downs. We can talk about that again. What is this walk all about? Where's it come from? Okay, tell us everything. So you know, I opened a barber shop. Um, I had that for seventeen years, and I expanded it, made it big. I went from one chair to after seven chairs to having this beautiful shop, and we had a coffee shop attached to it now, and. But I got to a point where it, I, in 2018-19, I, I, I achieved what I set out to achieve, Pete. There was no passion anymore. There was no drive anymore. So it became a bit stagnant, the shop, for me. Um, and I thought, right, it's time to sell. So I got rid of it this year. Well, 2022. I sold it. So I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? But I put a lot of work into myself, Peter, personally, like... Loads of whatever, there's traumas and stuff. I've put all that work into myself. What am I going to do? And I was sitting there one day. Now, people have had loads of passions, whether it's bodybuilding, falconry, marathon running, barbers, acting. But I can't choose a passion. A passion always happens. It always chooses me. I'll always have a moment. And I was sitting there and I went, oh, I'm going to walk from Land's End to John O'Groats. I'm going to walk from Land's End to John O'Groats. And that was it. That was sparked in me. And, um... Yeah, that was August, I think. So I approached a charity called Weapons Down Gloves Up, and um, I said, what's the charity? Weapons Down Gloves Up. It's 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 based in Liverpool at the moment, but they want to go nationwide. It takes kids who are well, they say economically um, inactive, so kids who are like sixteen to twenty five, you are in college, working or doing anything. The you know a lot of them get involved in gang culture and. Obviously, there's a lot of stabbings and a lot. Of, there's been a lot of shootings and been a lot of innocent lives lost and lives destroyed. And I thought there's no better charity for me personally to do so. I've been working with them. So yeah. So on the twenty sixth of January, day right? after my birthday, is it? Mm-hmm. Let's come down to Cornwall, won't we, Pink? And um, yeah, I set off then. I set. How off. are you doing it? Um, well, originally I was going to be wild camping. Um, the idea. I've done that, you know, I've while been... camping. Hey, football! <laughs> Honest to God. Um, so, yeah, I was going to be wild camping. I'll never think of that at the same time. <laughs> and then, um, so I will be doing wild camping at this, but at the same time. Have you got it, a team with you? Um, I'm going on my own, but there's, there's going to be a driver now, so we're going to have a camper van. So you're going to have somebody there with you to to because you need somebody with you. Well, yeah, you know I mean, what I mean. When yeah, it's like, you know, I, I was dead against yeah. this to be honest. Because yeah, I know you've got to. Everybody's done it as you've got to. Yeah, I just wanted to go on my own. Yeah. I just wanted this time on my own for me, Peter. It's a reset. Call it a midlife crisis if you want. I hate that term, but I think men get to a certain. Oh, but you're being honest about it. No, no, but the, the yeah. way the way crisis is isn't fair really because I think men get to a point in their life and women, I suppose, but. We get to a point, I'm 41, where you where you reevaluate everything. You think, hang about, am I happy? Am I doing what I enjoy? Have I created a life that I really want to live? Or have I created a prison for myself? So I'm out of prison now. That's me in the shop and relationships or whatever now. So this is time for me to go and really take everything I've learned, all the troubles, all the problems, all the goals, everything I've done, and put it all into perspective. I'll tell you what's amazing about it is we might get... A mega star out of it because while you're down there and you what I've learned from you today is that 
it finds you, you don't find it. That's come over loud and clear. So something's going to happen. So while you're raising money and helping a very, very worthy cause, you're also going to find yourself, hopefully. And it, it's amazing. Yeah. But you need someone with you because somebody's got to have a change of underwear, a change of... Oh, Just yeah. that. It's that. It, but you're still on your own. But they're there. Yeah. It's that. So you've got the, the van you're going. How are you doing it? Which way are you starting? So we start at Land's End. Um, and I'm going to be doing on average... 50, I want to say average. It's going to work out average 15 miles a day. So some days it's going to be 19 miles a day. Some days it's going to be 10 yeah. miles a day. And, uh, How have people reacted to it? F- family and friends, first of all. Um, they scared for you? I'm one of these people, Peter, like I used to... I'm a bit overweight at the moment, and I, I do fluctuate with my weight terrible. And I think people who don't really know me or recently met me think, I go, not you know, John. But they haven't seen what I've done in the past. They haven't seen how much determination. Well, I, have. I saw a photo of you before, and I could not believe that was you. You showed me two photos: one of you overweight, and the other of you as the bodybuilder that yeah. won the award. I am gobsmacked. Yeah. So I now know your passion. I know where your passion goes. Yeah. So you're starting at uh, Land's End. Land's End so you're yeah. going to drive down in the camper to that? I think we're all going down in a coach from right. Weapons Down. I'm probably going to go down a few days early just to... Because I'm excited. I'm how long is it going to take or how long have you given yourself? Um, it's going to take 12 to 14 weeks. Right. Yeah, so I'll be walking six days a week and I'm going to have a day off on a Sunday and stay in a nice hotel, chill, you know, recharge. It's exciting times. It is good. It's exciting times. That's, that's what life's about. It's like, you know, sometimes it, I can't live that one life, P, mm. just being John the Barber. And when I die years later, I've got like a, a you know, a scissors and coal made out of flowers on top of my coffin. That was that was my legacy, just being a barber. Could be worse. Could have a lizard on top Yay! of me. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're up to this in your life. Let's finish off by saying, and we're going to keep in touch with you uh, over, uh, definitely on my social media, over your your walk. We've got to do this. What I would like to say to you is now, use this podcast, which has got a huge amount of listeners, to give advice after what you've been through, and take as long as you want on this, advice for people listening. Well, I don't know. I've, I've, I've had the big house in Freshfield. I've had the nice car. I've had money in the bank, I've had the beautiful women, I've had, I've had all these things and none of them made me happy. But through all a lot of pain and a lot of lessons, what I've learned is the most important thing in the world is to do what you enjoy doing with the people you enjoy being with. Life's not a fairy tale, but I tell you what, it doesn't get better than that. There's my wise words, P. And if you enjoy that, we've got some great podcasts. Why not just subscribe? It's free.